Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey there, this is a special episode of Yolitics. Jason Whiteley and Jason Wheeler are back here with you. And we're putting this episode out um, because of the Derek Chauvin verdict. Now, this is kind of different because we're starting the recording of this podcast before the jury returns to the courtroom and actually reads the verdict. But we're kind of revisiting what we did last year with a podcast that we titled My Skin is Not a Weapon. We've assembled some of that panel back. So with us, we have Carl Sherman Jr., former um, school board president uh, here in North Texas. David James third is a local educator, assistant principal. And we have Sydney Walker as well, too, from Coffee and Politics 101. Uh, Jason, I t- you know, we were all on standby yeah. um to 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 come in but you know when when you get the word the verdict is in it, it's it's kind of uh you know jarring it is uh, and and you know we've seen this with big cases uh, in the past as well you know i think that we we remember you know uh, when, when we watched you know what happened with rodney king when we watched the oj simpson trial which was known as the trial of the century i remember uh, when the the verdict was in i mean it's like the world stopped and so here we are again at one of those world stopping moments and you know we reassembled a, a panel here because we've done a series of these as this country has gone through a real reckoning on race relations and a lot of convulsions over the past year after what happened uh, with George Floyd. Uh, and so we wanted to get a, a diverse group together again and, and experience this together. You know, I think a lot of us tend to sit at our desks or sit in our living room in, in stunned silence and, yeah. and watch as these things are read and as this history is made. And we really just wanted to capture this on the record and, and open up a, a real dialogue here. Indeed so. And uh, let's go ahead and bring our guest in here. David James had to join us um, in route. He was on, mm-hmm. I think he's on his way home. Uh, Carl Sherman's with us and Sidney Walker. Carl, l- l- let's start with you. Uh, where are you, man? Where are you emotionally on this? I'm, I'm a nervous wreck. Um, and, and I'm not nervous because of the outcome specifically, you know, whether he'll be found guilty or not guilty. I'm nervous because you know, I don't see this as a um, as a positive in our community. I see this as a losing proposition uh, either way. Um, yeah. If he's if he's found innocent, uh, then you obviously have the natural course of emotions that will flow from that. Uh, if he's found guilty, um, you have to deal with the backlash that will come uh, from those within the police community uh, and those who believe that he's innocent. Right. And and if anything, we've learned from our our most recent, um, you know, presidential election is that this country is in a very polarized state. And so my concern, my, my emotion is, is one of nervous uh, nervousness and just anticipation of what's going to happen next. Sydney. I am shaking. Um, I thought the deliberation was going to take longer. So I was really thrown for a curveball, knowing that literally the next day, the verdict, has been breached. So I am waiting to hear what it is and to kind of piggyback off of Carl Sherman Jr. It it feels like a no win either way, if he's found guilty or not guilty. So now we're just sitting and waiting and being nervous. David, how about you, man? Be careful as you drive there, because I know you're trying to get back to the house to watch this as as it uh, comes down in the next five or six minutes. But where are you emotionally? And don't forget you're muted there. Yeah, I, uh, I I think I'm in a very similar place. Um, 
hate to be here, you know, with these thoughts once again, but there's, there's like your heart's racing and uh, palms are sweaty. And, and I guess just maybe kind of ironically for me that I'm, I'm probably trying to make sure that I observe the appropriate measures on the road, uh, which is where a lot of these things end up taking place. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a nervous wreck and I hate that it has to be this way. Members of the jury, I will now read the verdicts as they will appear in the permanent records of the 4th Judicial District. State of Minnesota, County of Hennepin, District Court, 4th Judicial District, State of Minnesota Plaintiff versus Derek Michael Chauvin, Defendant. Verdict, Count 1. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to Count 1, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to Count 2, Third-degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. Verdict count three. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count three. Second-degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.45 p.m. Carl, um, we're watching White Boy Tears, Sydney as well, too. Carl, what are you thinking, man? You know, there's um, there's still hope. There's um, there's a possibility that that um, the conscious of America could move forward in the way that sees people. You know, uh, before the verdict, I mean, this is this is something that you know, just you know, Dwightly, you and I kind of talked about just just. You know, briefly in our text communication, just the vantage point in which I see life through. Um, there's a reason why my dad brought body cams to our city. I, it, there's a reason why, um, you know, people of color, black people, specifically black males, um, feel anxiety and fear that they may be mistreated at the hands of police and no one be punished for it. And in the event that they are, because of the other lens of just knowing how government and policing works, those same officers will go get a job in another community and do the same thing. Knowing that they have protections within them, within their fraternal order to maintain employment that is the goal, is to maintain their employment and their ability to police. Um, as a black man in America, I know that, that the way the systems are set up and designed, we don't see verdicts like this often. We can't forget that American in, in America, police killed three civilians a day. George Floyd was just the one that we're talking about now. He was the one that got justice, but, you know, for, for the countless others, this doesn't happen. And so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moved to tears with emotion just because I can't say that before hearing them, them utter those words that I was confident that that would be the case, no matter how empathetic people may appear to say they are. Sydney Walker, you were uh, reaching for the, the tissues there as well. How are you doing? What are you thinking? How are you feeling? 
this is what we hoped for with Rodney King. And although we don't get to see this often and to comment on something that David said that we don't see any change and hopefully this will start the protest to actually get the training changed that now police officers know that although this may be part of their culture part of what they think is standard operating procedures that is wrong. And just because that you've been trained to do it doesn't make it right. And I'm hoping that in my son's time that he will get to see the change and not have the fear that I have for him now because he's only seven. That when he becomes grown, that when he sees lights flashing behind his car, that he doesn't automatically think that today I could die. And so this is, is, I'm filled with so many emotions because I watched the trial and I listened to the defense basically make Black people have superpowers that we don't have, that we're these superhumans that everybody has to fear, and that we don't have any humanity, that we're not human beings, that we don't deserve life and liberty that is expressed to everyone else. And it's, like Carl Jr. said, there's hope, but I still feel like we're waiting to exhale. David, you're the father of a little boy as well, too. When you heard the words from the uh, the judge there, what went through your mind? Yeah, I am. Um, two boys, five and three. Um, beautiful boys. Love them to death. Dreads all over their hair. The fires come down in front of his face. It's cute. It, it's cute, uh, but it's not always cute. Um, and so I can only echo the sentiments that that Sydney and and Carl have have shared here, uh, and, and probably much like them, but maybe even in a different way. Uh, I'm just I'm just overjoyed. Uh, there are no tears here. This is this is the face of someone who is just ecstatic that we were able to witness the smug grin um, and indifference wiped off of a human's face that took another human's life. So for me, um, I, I, I can't be more pleased with the outcome, obviously. Three charges, all guilty verdicts. Um, would love to hear what the, uh, the sentences are ultimately, but uh, just just ecstatic, man. And it's just a great moment. It's a great moment. What does this moment, what does today mean, uh, do you think, for someone who is Black in America? Well, for me, um, I hate to be the resident cynic. But again, I, I do think that that we tend to look at this as, as an outlying situation. Uh, we had Dante Wright a couple weeks ago, uh, and we've had countless others who are much less polarizing when you think about 
just how unacceptable law enforcement's behavior was. Uh, and, and you hear you hear the terms, you hear comply, you hear uh, just do what they ask you to do or, you know, don't be a criminal or, or you see this this long, extensive rap sheet uh, about what somebody's done rather than, you know, a cop who has a gun in her hand for 20 seconds yelling taser or, or a cop seeing, you know, Walter Scott running away from him and just, just popping him in the back. Um, they're slave catchers. We know who these people are. Why do we have to chase them? Why, why do we have to shoot them? If they're trying to escape, they're trying to get away. This is this is a cultural thing that, that has happened since 17, 1800s. They're catching slaves, um, quite literally. And so I I I hate to be cynical, and and I hate to to not have an opportunity to be optimistic. Um, but I need to see more. I need to see more. Carl, is does anything change from here after we just heard this verdict? You know, uh, um, no, no. Um, the hope is there, um, but that doesn't, you know, absolve us from the work that has to be done. As we speak, my son, you know, David mentioned his, his boys and their hair. Uh, my son is getting his hair cut right now. Um, he didn't want to get his hair cut. Uh, it's been a Sherman thing that we could have braids up until a certain age. Um, I was never fortunate enough to have them. My two younger brothers did. Um, and when they hit sixth grade, they had to cut their hair. Um, my son is in seventh grade. And our commitment to him was that if you wanted it, you could keep it till eighth grade. Um, but in a town where he could not even play on the basketball team if he had his hair braided um, with this last coach who just left, like this year being the only year my son can say I was the first, one of the first kids to be able to wear their hair in braids and play in this program in the last 20 years, which is significant. Uh, we realized that the way that America looks at us, no matter how light skinned I am, and no matter uh, that my son is biracial, uh, he's still black in America. And being black in America co comes with the same stigma, uh, the same uh, issues that we have to overcome. And so, um, no, this doesn't change anything for me uh, or black people in America. It, it offers hope. It offers a path of less resistance in some senses and that people will look at us a little bit differently. At least these jurors did. Um, but it doesn't change the way that we have to navigate, um, you know, everyday life. This is uh, certainly a, a momentous decision that has come down from these uh, 12 jurors in Minneapolis. Um, and, and I'm curious, do you all do you all worry, though, that there will be a significant portion of this country that will take a look at that and go up? Ah, they got him on all three counts. Uh, work's done. Justice system works. Uh, everything is good. Justice is served. There's not a problem anymore. Oh, for sure. Um, it almost feels like, uh, <laughs> and I can see the Facebook comments flying now with, we got thrown a bone. And as far as the black community, yeah, it gives us a moment. It gives us a reprieve from all the trauma that we experience and we witness and have to relive every time one of these stories is in the news. But I, I can see that resting on laurels, saying everything is fine, um, you know, he was found guilty, so you all should be happy. I see that being the sentiments out there. 
Sydney, I think unfortunately you're probably correct about that, but here's a question I have. Regardless of whether this decision changes anything, what needs to happen from here, David, based on what the judge just said in that courtroom in Minneapolis? I would say reflection. Um, again, I think that there's a significant percentage of people who, who felt that Derek Chauvin should be guilty of, if not all three, one or two of those uh, charges. Um, but I want, I want to take a look at the gray area. I, I want to look at the area in between uh, absolutely guilty on all three charges and officers who are uh, granted some type of qualified immunity because um, they were following protocol or because they didn't technically break any laws. Um, and there has to be a period of reflection after this period of, of jubilation and this period of, you know, let's get it all out of the way now. Let's, let's you know, the Facebook warriors and, and the, you know, just the dissension that happens. Once we get through all of that, how do we reflect on this moment uh, and moments similar to this and determine how we can improve or change or ensure that, um, the system that has allowed Derek Chauvin to be this extremist um, is, is less likely to allow for somebody to dissent from humanity and, and go off the cuff and, and take matters into their own hands and make decisions that are uh, not only life-altering for George Floyd, but now for himself and his family as well. I'm, I'm looking across the panel right now as we're all talking, and it just strikes me how all of us are such spring chickens. Uh, and I, I didn't live during the 60s. Uh, I don't know what those demonstrations felt like in the 60s uh, and in the civil rights movement and all of that. But I commented last year when the protests started after the George Floyd death. Uh, there in Minneapolis, it felt different. It seemed like something had changed. You saw people from all walks of society in all corners of this country and mm -hmm. then spread around the world like wildfire. It felt like it was a different moment. And today with this verdict coming down, it definitely is a different moment than what we have seen in other police uh, involved deaths. Um, so I, I, I wanna ask, does anyone here dare feel more than hopeful, but really feel like, you know what, this has the chance to be a momentum that starts. I'll take a stab at it. I, I think so. Um, one thing that really stood out with all of the video footage from that incident, it was very clear that George Floyd was having a panic attack. He was having a ton of anxiety. And in the Black community, we are not accustomed to going to see therapists for those issues. Mm -hmm. And so with such awareness being pushed on everyone on any platform about anxiety, about trauma, about PTSD, you know, being bipolar, getting diagnosed, schizophrenia, you know, staying on your medications and that messaging coming out. It is clear that our police officers, our police departments do not do much when it comes to being able to recognize when someone is having a mental health issue crisis moment. 
and dealing with people with the humanity and the compassion that's needed in that moment, regardless of what someone has called the police for on them and taking that moment to just be a human being, letting him calm down. There would have been nothing to have gotten another vehicle that was larger for him to be transported to um, the county jail there and get processed. There, There was nothing that was stopping that. And there was no compassion in any of the officers during that time until that one said, do we roll him over? And so now our police officers, yet again, are going to be tasked with more, but it does scream to what, unfortunately, the wrong name of the movement would defund the police. It shows even more why we need to have more trained individuals that can handle those situations to talk someone off that ledge, to get someone to calm down in that moment and have that clarity so they can deal with what is going on and comply with police officers and respond appropriately. Carl, do you want to take that one as well? Yeah, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. Um, There's so much that affects people of color um, in this country. This is, you know, the instance of George Floyd is really the result of of his his being his essence right he, he he the police were called for a forgery claim right like we can't lose sight of why they were called to this interaction in the first place if 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 he had the economic resources to do what he needed to do and i don't want to get into you know whether it's true the claim is true accurate whatever the sense would be if, if there was no reason for the call we're not having this conversation and there are more things that people of color that we've criminalized in our society that people of color are susceptible to that affects them every day that this verdict does not change this verdict does not change that we've seen the most sweeping um, voter register or voter um, you know, acts going in place to suppress the vote. This does not change the redistricting and practices that are in place to suppress certain votes. This doesn't change the economic realities in our communities um, just because of this verdict. And so, you know, yes, there's hope. Uh, But this hope has to be matched with the energy to fight oppression on all fronts. And and I feel like that's what that's what plagues our community more often than not, is that we we get excited and we move on as though everything's okay, But we forget what got us in the situation in the first place. Uh, And if we're expecting our legislators to be empathetic to the cause and to see our our state and do something about it, then we we are, you know, we are mistaken. Um, And and I can say that with all confidence, you know, with life experiences and the historical context to see what happened in the 60s after the the march across the the Edmund Pettus Bridge and and everyone saying, you know, this is happening. This is a big deal. And then you have the new Jim Crow, like just with anything. uh, There's another mechanism. There's another cog in the widget of life and how people of color show up in America that's turning that pins the screws on us in some other form or fashion. So I've got to go in a different direction. Yes, there's hope, but is this the momentum that we need? No, there's a whole lot of more work that has to be done if we want true uh, substantive change moving forward. 
David, do you want to address that? Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, very well said, uh, Mr. Sherman. And um, I, I think there's a couple things that I would like to just expound upon. And I know we talked about this in our last segment. Um, you know, it, it you're talking about the old Jim Crow and black coats uh, and what we refer to now as as, as pretext uh, mechanisms that allow for uh, for these types of situations to exist. Um, and so we can go back to, to Dante Wright again. Uh, that's, that's a very pretextual stop when we're talking about a, a law that's in place, uh, you know, letter of the law or spirit of the law mm-hmm. is, 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 uh, is his rear view, rear view mirror device obstructing the law or which would be, yeah, which would be the letter of the law uh, versus the spirit. And so, I think that, you know, Carl can tackle the, the economic portion all by himself because he's amazing at, at those things. Uh, but what are we doing uh, to ensure that that we're not implementing our own biases um, and allowing them uh, to get in the way of how we police and why we police and why we do the things we do? And again, it's gone on since uh, since slavery ended. How do we get how do we recoup the slaves that we lost? Uh, so that we can continue to manufacture um, the economic success that we've seen. Um, and it's continued on because the system hasn't changed at all. You know, we talked about the convulsions that society has gone through since uh, George Floyd's death and and the, the outpouring that we've seen. We've talked about how this country has a violent history. I mean, you go all the way back to, you know, the Boston Tea Party, the revolution, all of those things. There is a violent history. There is also a history of peaceful protests does anyone here think that the protests and and even the the outbreaks of violence that occurred over this last year um, have helped? Um, you know, with when, as we see this verdict here today, the judge told the jury, of course, to disregard all of the outpouring that there has been in society. But do you think it has helped to to bring us to this place today? Yes. Oh, go ahead. I'll just I'll I'll start on this one, Sydney. If you've seen The Hunger Games, um, the movie or read the book, but the movie specifically, there's a part where they're driving back or they're riding the train back to the district and they drive through these ruins and they ask what happened. Well, this was district so and so. Um, You know, I feel like, yes, the violence and the protests has left a marker and impression in some folks mind to say, we don't want to see this again. Uh, And and if anything, just in in short, it kept the conversation going, perhaps in a way uh, that other protests, uh, you know, peaceful or uh, media related or economically based, um, you know, the violence in some of these cities um, did get the conscious to awaken some folks and, and have a response. You bring up a really good question, uh, Jason, is interesting. Um, violence promotes change. Violence uh, is agitating. It gets in your face. You have to deal with it. You guys have been super generous with your with your time. I, I do want to leave this final question out there, and I want to go around the, the panel and have you answer this. And David, we'll start with you, and then Sydney, and then Carl. Um, the question is, how do you think you'll sleep tonight after what we just watched and heard? David? Uh, well, I've been obsessing over this trial for 
three weeks now. And so I've, I've been uh, obsessing over watching it live when I'm able to sneak a peek, uh, going back and watching it at night, uh, reading the literature uh, that corresponds with it. And so I, I will sleep well when I choose to sleep. Uh, but there's so much more digging that I want to do. There, there's so many questions that I want to ask and, and so many responses that I'd like to hear. Uh, and, and quite honestly, it's because I want to understand other perspectives and I want to understand how other people feel. I want to understand how this compares uh, to uh, Mike Brown's situation or how this compares to, you know, anyone else who has, to me, unjustly uh, been killed and, and how other people view this compared to that because this is a measuring stick and, and how we continue to move forward and how we continue to get justice incrementally is uh, we don't stop. We keep asking questions and we, we keep our foot on the gas. This, uh, we, we've learned that you don't get anything in the establishment of this country without essentially taking it. So I'm, I'm going to continue to push the envelope and see where it goes from there. Sydney, how about you? How will you sleep tonight? I will sleep with motivation in my heart. Uh, as we talked about doing Yolitics today, um, I told you I was going to have a show with an ADA on to talk about the state's presentation and how they prepare for bringing a case against police officers. And so it motivates me to make sure that people that I know, my followers, understand how the system works understand the checks and balances, the rules, because we see the goalposts get moved all the time. And to really understand the game, then you can start predicting where that goalpost is going to move to and start breaking this down. That, that violence shows the problem and those that have the education, those that have the knowledge, can get out there and explain to people why this is important for everyone. Carl, final word. Yeah, if I, I guess I'll sleep with one eye open. I mean, it's it, there's no rest. Um, there, there's still you know the prospect of being a father of of two young children, twelve and eleven. The twelve year old who I have five more years with, close to five more years with. Uh, before his education is done and he moves out the house and what world will I be releasing them into? You know, um, it's, it's, it's an ongoing work uh, to make sure that the world as we know it today has a, has a positive change on it because not only our communication uh, with you guys and creating this platform for us to discuss, uh, but also from the verdict and everyone that's hearing it, everyone that's seeing it moving forward. How do we springboard this to have lasting change for the generations to come? And so one eye open and, uh, and I'll have some visine for the other uh, once I wait. Visine for the remaining eye. Uh, Carl Sherman Jr. and Sydney Walker and David James. Thank you all uh, again uh, for joining us and being a part of this and uh, witnessing history with us on this day. Thank you. Thank you for having me.